0: We're in a series of messages that just, just curious, and curious that God's answers to our curious questions. We all have questions. I have questions. And one of the, one of the, one of the we talked about relationships last week, and today we're going to talk about wisdom. Not about wisdom? And wisdom, I've spelled it a little differently today. I, I, I think you can see the emphasis on the dumb, and not as much on the wisdom side, you know, the normal way that you would say it. And the reason is the reason because we all find ourselves at times making decisions that might be considered not all that smart. We could just call them dumb. I don't want to go there. God has some help for us when it comes to making decisions. We're going to talk about today. Did you know that the average adult makes approximately, this is crazy, makes approximately 2,000 decisions every hour? That you're awake during the course of a day. So now most of those decisions are just very natural decisions. They don't they don't really shape the earth. For example, whether you're gonna watch the Chargers or the Rams today, listen, the, the earth is not gonna stop revolving at whichever decision you make. Also, if you choose the blue shoes or the black shoes, it's fine, whatever. Those are decisions that really of what burger place I'm gonna go to. You know, if you mess up, you just wait till the next time and Wait till four hours later and go again. You know, I mean, you can figure it out. Those are not going to change the earth. But there are decisions that we make that have incredible impact when we make them. And frankly, I want to make good decisions. I want to make decisions that, in many ways, just honor God. And, and I've looked at different ways over the course of time of how to make decisions. I gotta, my, my daughter-in-law, who lives in Texas, her name's Monica, Monica has a great story about making decisions. And when my son went away to college, and he went to he went to Nebraska, he he went and played football at a, a college outside of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, Concordia University. And how he met Monica, who was attending the University of Nebraska, which is in Lincoln. They're just real; they're right next door to each other. And how they met is a whole other story. It's really fun. But I asked, we asked Monica, said, so, Monica, how did you ever choose? How, how did a Texas girl get out of Texas and end up in Nebraska? She said, well, she said, I, you know, I didn't want to go to all of the, all of my friends are going to the University of Texas and so I, I just didn't, I wasn't sure if I wanted to and I was just all indecisive. And my roommate got so tired of me talking about not, or not making decisions. She said, look, this has got to stop. We're going to put a map on the wall and you're going to throw a dart and wherever it lands, you're going to go there. Monica says, okay, I'll do it. So they put a map on the wall, and she threw a dart, and it hit Nebraska. And she went to the University of Nebraska. Now, I talked to her yesterday. She gave me permission to tell the story. I'm not throwing her under the bus whatsoever because she is a great daughter-in-law. We have three wonderful grandsons. The only downside of this whole thing, they just live so far away from us that we don't get to see them all that often. But she told me, she said... I had never been to Nebraska before in my life until I unpacked my car and I moved into the dorm. Now, I'm not suggesting taking a dart and throwing it at the wall is a particularly good way of making a decision. Now, it worked out okay for her, for us. But is that the way we do it? I don't know. Anybody remember these things? Now, when I was, when I was a little younger, they used to be glass. They're not glass anymore. They're plastic. I wasn't even sure that Mattel still made these things. They do, got it off of Amazon, Amazon Prime, got it to me in a day, not a big deal, but here it is. Now, what was so fun about this when you were like eight? Because you basically ask it a yes and no question. So, when you ask it a yes and no question, you turn it over, it gives you the answer. So, a question for a typical eight year old, nine year old is like, Does Susie like me? Most likely was the answer. That's pretty cool. Now I'm not particularly sure you should build your life off the magic eight ball, but you know often we take our decisions just about that lightly. We don't realize the gravity of the decisions of the decisions that we make, because the reality is is that I'm curious how can I make good decisions? Well, God God can help me with that, but I want to tell you something. Just like last week, when it comes to relationships, there's no shortage on opinions. On how to make a good decision, just do a, just do an online search. Four secrets to making to good decision making. Eleven steps to good decision. Nine habits on how to be a better decision maker. Ten ways to make good decision. Find t- five tips to make good decisions. You can find it all. It's all there. I was reading an article by Mike Irwin. He is a contributor, contributing writer to Harvard Business Review, and he wrote a, an article and had his own list. His list was six enemies, and I love it. Six enemies of good decision-making. And he says he says about decision-making, which is, listen. And listen to this carefully. Decision-making is, most, is arguably the most important habit we can develop. Decision-making, the most important habit we can develop. He goes on. This, and this is critical. Our choices affect our health. Our safety, our relationships, how we spend our time, and our overall well-being. Now, just think about that for a moment. Just when it regards to our health. I I, I love burgers. Now, I'm going to tell you, I could eat a burger every day of the week. I would not be It would not be boring to me. Not a problem. I can do it. I have done it. I can eat more than one in one day. And I'm not talking little burgers like, you know, if you're if you Midwest White folks, like White Castle. No, I'm talking about that. Those little gut bombs will just take you down. They're not good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a full-fledged burger. I can do that a couple times a day. In fact, I have. And then I could polish it off with a half a gallon of Rocky Road ice cream. You go, are you out of your mind? No, I'm not out of my mind. I can do it. Now, if I did that every day, I'm going to tell you something. That's not a particularly good decision. It's going to affect my health. But we look at that on that kind of funny side of things. But we realize if what he's saying is true, it's most arguably, once again, the most important habit we can develop. So when he talks about his six enemies, what do those look like? Here are six enemies of decision-making. Number one, decision fatigue. You see, with so many decisions to make, especially the ones that have the big impact on people, it's inevitable to experience decision fatigue. If we're making, just think about it, if you're making 2,000 decisions every hour, Just do the math. Some of those decisions in the midst of the ones that don't matter can have greater impact. And so because we are so decision-overwhelmed, we can easily make a decision that may not necessarily be the best decision. Number two, a steady state of distraction. The technology tsunami of of the past decade has ushered in an era of unprecedented convenience. Listen to this. Researchers estimate that our brains process five times as much information today as they did in 1986. We're constantly distracted. Constantly. And in the midst of that, we have to make 2,000 decisions this hour, and the next hour, and the next hour. At the same time, being distracted from every side. Number three, a lack of input. We simply don't get enough information from trusted colleagues or sources. Now, think about that. If if we're constantly being distracted and we have so much information out there, we're still not seeking the right kind of information to make the good decisions. Number four, multitasking. Multitasking. Research clearly shows that performance, including decision-making effectiveness, suffers up to 40% when we focus on two cognitive tasks at a time. So our decision making goes right now. I watched a guy this past week, I could not believe what I saw. He was a young young man trying to set a, a world record. Guinness Book of World Records was there. Are you ready for what he was doing? He was juggling three Rubik's Cubes and manipulating the Rubik's Cubes to solve the puzzle as he juggled them. And the dude did it. I couldn't do a Rubik's Cube with one color on each side, let alone... Secondly, I can't juggle. This dude's doing them both. Now, I want to tell you, he's in the exception to the rule. Most of us can't, I can't, or or even if I could, the effectiveness of my decision-making goes down by 40%. It decreases. So, next one, number five, emotions. Experiencing frustration or excitement, anger, joy is a fundamental part of the daily human experience, but our emotions can hinder our ability to make good decisions. Let me go back to something I did a moment ago. Does Susie like me? My emotions are involved. Now, whether she, I wonder what the answer is that time. Most likely, same one. I don't know who Susie is, but... Sorry, sweetheart, I don't know. I don't know what to say. She's a made-up, mythical, whatever, eight-year-old. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, number f- emotions. It, it hinder our ability to make a decision. Number six, analysis paralysis. I'm telling you, some of us in this room, we analyze stuff to death. We will analyze it, and then we still won't make it. As, we won't act on it. But we got the information, but we don't, we don't act. So... All these are good. The tips, the ways, the steps, they're all good. The enemies, I mean, that's, that's good stuff to, to ingest. But I wonder, is it enough to make a good decision? What I found profound is at the end of this article, Mike Irwin, this is what he says. And I want you to, I've emphasized some words here. And I want you to catch them. He says, the decisions we make determine our reality. The decisions we make determine our reality. They're, they directly impact how we spend our time and what information we process or ignore. Our decisions shape our relationships. And increasingly in today's hyper-connected world, decisions contribute to how efficient we are in various aspects of our lives. Inevitably, we all can make some poor decisions every single day. Now that's kind of ends on a downer, but listen to this. But we can make better decisions. That's what I believe is absolutely true and why we're doing this message. Because I can make better decisions. We all can. All right? So Gary, that's, that's fine. If we can, how do we do it? Here's a simple phrase I picked up from J. Oswald Sanders, great writer, pastor, teacher, gone to his heavenly reward. Introduce God into the events of life and order emerges out of chaos. There it is. Introduce God into the events of life and order emerges out of chaos. I want you to understand when we introduce God into every event of our life, including decision-making, order comes out of chaos. Why? Because God is the one who creates order. And He'll do that on our behalf. James chapter 1, verse 5 is the verse that anchors our, our series. And we use the paraphrase from the message that says, If you don't know what you're doing... Pray to the Father, He loves to help. You'll get His help and won't be considered, He won't be condescended to when you ask for it. The point is, is this the this the other translations would say it this way, or the translation would say wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask God and He will give it to you. We've got to ask God. We have to introduce God into the events of our life. We need to introduce God into our decision-making process. Now, again, maybe God. I don't know how to even say this. I don't know that God is all... I'll, I don't know what I'll do. I'll say it this way. Often, I'll be playing golf and with another fellow believer, and we'll start talking, you know, Lord, help me in this. Help me hit this ball straight, and I'll say it this way. I'm not so sure God cares about my golf game. Now, I'm saying that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. I know He cares about everything, but honestly, no. I, I'm... So the, the point being, some of those simple decisions, the everyday decisions, no, but the ones that have impact, to influence, that contribute to the lives of others, we've got to introduce God into that process. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Remember, life is complex, and we need God's help to navigate it. One of the, most wise, one of the wisest persons who, is, who have lived... Who has lived with Solomon? I want to look at a little bit of Solomon's life, just, just briefly, just in a passage of scripture, an occasion of his life. Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs, 1,005 songs. He wrote the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. He ruled Israel for 40 years. It's an, he's an incredible person. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament is the book of Ecclesiastes. I, I love the wisdom that's there. In each, so much of what I'm going to share this morning is from what is called in the Old Testament wisdom literature. Wisdom literature includes the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. These are considered wisdom literature because they, get, they, they help us navigate life's experiences. One of the key words you'll find in the book of Proverbs, for example, is the word wisdom. So, let's look at a little bit of Solomon's story, 1 Kings chapter 3. The king, this is Solomon, went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices. For that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Now, let me just stop for a second. If God were to ask us that question, what might our answer be? There's a lot of things on a list that all of us have somewhere. If God would ask us that question, what might our answer be? Listen to how Solomon answers it. It's amazing. Ask for whatever... You want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people too numerous to counter number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon and asked, had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life, for wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never, so that there will never have been Anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Solomon asked for God's help, God's wisdom. And out of that, God said, I will give you what you ask. And then God added on to that request with all kinds of wealth and prominence and and success in everything that he did. Now, it's amazing as I think about that. He asked for a discerning heart. And out of that, then he begins to write Proverbs. And he begins to speak of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 6, we read, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants common sense. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. Think about that. If we ask God for wisdom, as James has already talked about, Solomon is an example of that, that he asked God for wisdom. God gave it to him. But then God adds to that, I will give you wisdom and I will give you common sense. I'm going to say something that I think most of us might agree There's a little bit of lacking common sense today in our world. I wonder if we've ever made a decision that wasn't based on common sense. And we would all say, yes, I have done that on numerous occasions. Understand, God has said, I will give you wisdom, and I will give you a treasure of common sense. It's extraordinary. This is good, good stuff. Three things this morning on how we can make good decisions. Number one, we are to live in the fear of the Lord. That's the first thing. In order to make good decisions, we need to live in the fear of the Lord. I, I just would have a curious question. Don't, you don't know, have to answer. Just think about it. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You know, maybe some are afraid of spiders. I don't like snakes. I'm going to tell you that. I'll run away from them slimy creatures of Hades as quickly as I can. I don't like them at all for any reason. I see no redeeming. I'm sorry if you're a snake lover. I see no redeeming quality in any of them, okay? They're not beautiful. They're ugly and slimy. Okay, I'm done. Feel better now. I'm cleansed. Feel just good. I, I will tell you another thing. I don't really like. I don't like spindly ladders. I don't like unstable. I don't like unstable platforms. We were building a building in uh, Northern California a lot of years ago, and we're doing some final work. It's a three story building, and we were on a scissor. Li- I was on a scissor lift with these dopey friends, who kind of knew that I didn't like unstable platforms. So now we're up. This thing is fully extended. And he's having to drive it across the uneven ground. Yeah, you can know where I'm going. And then he knew that I didn't like it, so he would do this. Eh. So it would start doing that. I would grab on and say, get me off this. Get me. He got me as close to the building. I climbed out of the, I didn't care if I was three stories up. I climbed out of it through the window into the building. I said, I'm getting off of this. This is nuts. This is nuts. And I had a friend, I had a, a guy who was a part of our church who worked in Las Vegas on one of the real tall sky cranes. You know, the big cranes, the, the crane operators are up like 7 million feet above the ground, you know, that kind of thing. And he said, I said, how are you doing today? He said, oh, man, I just got back from work. It was, it was great. It was great this week. The wind was blowing about 40 miles an hour. And he said, oh, that thing was swaying like crazy. And I'm going, oh. <laughs> I'm, having, I'm, I'm hyperventilating just listening to him talk. I'm glad you, I'm out of here. I can't do it. I, I'm a, I don't like that. I don't like that. So why don't I talk about fear? Because when we talk about living in the fear of the Lord, we some kind, sometimes confuse that word fear with the fear of the Lord, what we're afraid of, and then the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is simply an awe and a respect of who he is. It's an understanding of his nature and his character. And you see, for us to really have, to, to make good decisions, we have to live in the fear of the Lord. We have to live with the awe and the respect of who God is. Job 28, or Job, the book of Job, is probably the oldest book in the Old Testament. Listen to what Job says. Now remember, this is wisdom literature. Job 28, and he said to the human race, this is God, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Fast forward to Psalm one ten verse eleven. Excuse me, Psalm one ten verse t- one eleven verse ten. There we go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. So the the, the one who wrote Psalm one eleven said the same thing that's been revealed already in the book of Job. Now let's move to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs nine and verse ten. Wisdom begins with fear and respect for the Lord. Knowledge of the Holy One leads to understanding. All of this is wisdom literature. All of it is virtually the same. You see, for us to have wisdom, remember, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. Wisdom is the essence of us We've got to have the wisdom of God in order to make a good decision. So we live in the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. So when we come under the the lordship of of God, we say, God, we we are in awe of you. We respect you. We respect your ways. We respect your character. We respect who you are. We respect what you say. So therefore, we will listen. We're going to... Follow the precepts of who you are and what you have revealed to us. So when I consider these scriptures and I relate them to decision-making, here's what I conclude. If I have a respect for God in all the events of my life, I will not make decisions that would call into question the nature, the character, and the ways of God. If I live in the fear of the Lord... When there's something that's contrary to the ways of God, am I going to make that decision? I'm just going to do that. I don't, I, no. Because the fear of the Lord guides me. It's the filter. It's that what I put all my decisions through. Because of that, if, 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 it, if it doesn't come out on the other side, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to do that. Without the fear of God in place, here's what's going to happen. Chaos. Chaos. That's exactly what Jay Oswald Sanders says. If we introduce God into the events of our life, something is going to emerge out of chaos. There, there's going to be peace and direction and help and guidance of God. So back to Psalms one ten or excuse me one eleven and one twelve real quick. These are two very complementary psalms. Psalm one eleven and Psalm one twelve both have ten verses in them. They are what, are what is what is called an acrostic psalm. Each of the first lines of those psalms that begin with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. They're very companion. They work together. Chapter 111, verse, 12, verse 10 says this. What we've already read talks about the fear of the Lord. Now we move to 112, verse number 1. Look at it. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Let me just stop. You see, if I live in the fear of the Lord, something's going to happen. Peace and help is going to emerge out of the chaos of my life. And so I believe, I would just say it this way, blessing is going to follow that. So look at what the psalmist says. If we live in the fear of the Lord, we're on obeying his commands, their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy. Their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They're generous and compassionate and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Though They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust in the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and they can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Simply put, when we live in the fear of the Lord, there will be blessing that will follow in the decisions that we will make. Why? Because we have come under We've come under God's direction and ways and character, and we respect it. So we're not going to do anything outside of the fear and respect of God. Number two, how do we make good decisions? We live, rather, we should listen to the various way, ways God speaks. We should listen to the various ways God speaks. Now, when I was in elementary school, maybe some of you can relate with this. I know if there are teacher, I know there are teachers among us who certainly can relate with this. I would sit, and I was very respectful of my teachers. I wasn't, a, I wasn't one of those kids that was noisy. I was very respectful. I'd sit quietly. But I'm going to tell you something. Although I would sit quietly, it doesn't mean that I knew every, I, I wasn't necessarily paying attention to what was going on. She, remember You remember the comic strip Peanuts and uh, the teacher? Here's what I heard, just like the Peanuts teacher. I knew she was making sounds or he was making sounds. I knew they were doing something. I was hearing, I was hearing. I'm not so sure I was listening because the teacher would say, Gary, what do you think about this? Come again? Excuse me? What? Literally, not always understandably, but a lot of times I would hear, but I wouldn't listen. Understand this, hearing is simply the act of perceiving sound by the ear. Listening is something You consciously choose to do. And some of you right now are... You said it for me. We can hear without listening. You know something? Here is a reality. Job 33, one more time to Job. God does speak, sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. Understand something. And just so, just so you know, the context of that verse is important that you do. Job went through a lot of difficulties. Three friends came his way to give him comfort. They didn't do a particularly good job. They had inadequate and, and misunderstanding of the character and nature of God. But Then there's a fourth personality. His name is Elihu. He was younger than the other three. Elihu's uh, discourse in the book of Job is the longest of any of them. His, his words are a bit incomplete as well, but there's some things that are worthwhile. He's the one who says this. He says, God does speak, sometimes one way and sometimes another. The fact of the matter is, God, hear this, God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? It's not one thing to just hear, and please don't, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. It is one thing to hear what I say, and it is another to listen to what I say. I'm very honored that you are here this morning. I'm grateful to be your pastor. I'm grateful to have the opportunity of sharing God's word with you. But do not just hear the words that are shared. Listen to the words. Consciously choose to do what God's word says. We need to understand that God speaks in a variety of ways. The first way, God speaks through pain and difficulty. You go, oh, that was really rich. Thanks for that. Job 33, one more time. This is Elihu Continue to speak. He says, God might get their attention through pain. You know, that's difficult, but God does it. Can't tell you how many times there's been a difficulty in my life or a pain that I say, God, help me here. I'm asking for help and deliverance, yes, but also God's teaching me. I think he, at, the, at the very least, God's teaching me dependence upon Him. A number of years ago, I had preached on a Sunday morning, and I'd used to illustri- I had a, an illustration. I had a car that it's water, my water pump went out. And I used it as an illustration that morning. It wasn't a big deal. It was just my water pump went out, and I was going through the whatever I said. And So that morning, I was standing at the door greeting folks, as I do all the time. And a gal came up, and she wasn't a regular part of the church, but she came up. She said, Pastor, I just want to talk to you. And she's very sincere, and I'm not here to knock her sincerity. She's very sincere. She took it. She looked. She said, you know, that whole story about your car and your water pump, you know, I think there's something going on like sin in your life now that this has happened. And I went okay. Thank you, I think. You know, I didn't say I think. I said thank you and she went on and for like the next 2 or 3 hours I was just like, okay, God, what are you saying? What's going on? You know what? And it was literally like God said, "Gary, it's your water pump." You're okay. The point is, is that there are times, there are times when things just occur. There's difficulty in our lives and it just happens. Does it mean that God's saying something? Sometimes yes, but sometimes not so much. We have to be discerning of that. And that goes to the second point of how God speaks. God speaks through people. Now, I'm going to suggest, he spoke through that girl, that gal, uh, in a way to get my mind turned to the right direction. So God does speak through people, there's no question. When Marcy and I were in student ministries, we would often teach the students, you know, about peer pressure. Peer pressure is just where you get outside pressure from someone else to make a decision. You ever been there? Done that? Yeah. Most of us have. We probably still do that to some degree. We influence people by our by the pressure we place on them for whatever reason. And here is the reality, God does speak through people both Kind of on both sides of the spectrum, here's the reality. We will make some bad decisions in the company of certain people. Paul would say it this way. It's not in your notes. Bad company corrupts good character. There are times that we need to defriend some folks. Say it again. We need to defriend some folks. We need to stop some associations and some relationships because they are taking us down pathways that will not cause us to live in the fear of the Lord. That's where it all starts. And parents, you need to take an active role in this. Yes, you need to monitor the friendships of your children. It is your responsibility to be a mom and a dad first before you're their friend. Make decisions. If there are going down pathways that dishonor God, call. Get in the middle of that and stop it. Stop it. Because there will be decisions that will be made that will take them down pathways that you, we don't want to go. Can I I'm going to go on a, I'm going to get on a I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second. Parents, be careful about sleepovers. Let me just tell you. Don't, I'm just going to say it. Don't do it. If kids want to have sleep over, bring them to your house. Don't let them go somewhere else. Because I'm telling you, from experience, it'll work. And it's going to cause decision time. Now, you pray and you believe and you hope and you do everything you can that they're going to stand upon the principles of God's word that you have taught them. But it is also our responsibility as parents to say, I'm not going to expose you to things that you don't need to be exposed to. That's my responsibility as a dad. And now as a grandfather, take that responsibility. It is so important. That's the most precious gift you've ever been given to your children. Okay, I'll get off the box now. Now this is not, this, this, Psalm 1-1 is not in your notes, but just make a note of it. Psalm 1 says, great blessings belong to those who don't listen to evil advice. You see, it's both sides of the coin. There are times that I need to receive the godly counsel of people, and this is another verse that's not in your notes. Plans fail for lack of counsel, Proverbs 15. But with many advisors they succeed. See, it's both sides. I need to defriend some folks, and I need to befriend some folks. It's on both sides of that. And this verse is: Proverbs 13:20: Become wise by walking with the wise. Come on, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. There you go. That's what's gonna happen. You want to make good decisions? Then learn the various ways that God speaks. So another way he speaks is through Scripture. It comes without too much explanation. Here it is. God's Word is filled with wisdom. I'm going to give you a challenge. Every one of us in this room can do it. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Read one proverb every day. You can do that. One proverb every day. And mark every time you come to wisdom. Wisdom. Circle it. Circle it, underline it, highlight it. Do something, and you will see wisdom over and over again, and how it is practically applied to life. Now, that is that overly simplistic. No, it's not. Scripture contains the wisdom revealed by God to us to make good decisions. Open up the treasure chest of the wisdom of God and live by it. Also, Romans fifteen four. Whatever is written beforehand is meant to instruct us. And number four, God speaks through the Holy Spirit. I don't want to minimize this. You tell you something. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. We are the repository of God's presence. What what a privilege! What a privilege! That we carry God with us everywhere we go. And I want to tell you, God will give us wisdom when we need wisdom. Depend upon the Holy Spirit in your life. Can I also say, nurture the Spirit of God in your life. Do things that build up the Spirit of God. Worship Him. Let Him speak through your life. He will. He'll give you direction. Isaiah would say it this way. You're going to be walking. You're going to hear a voice that's going to say, turn to the left, turn to the right. God is there to direct and guide your lives. and Galatians chapter 5, so I stay, say, live by the Spirit, or rather, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I love that. Then I add the fruit of the Spirit, but the, the fruit of the Spirit is, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Can I just say, if you're in the process of making the decision today, and you don't have the peace of God, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, come on. The Spirit of God is what? Peace. Peace. Let the, let the turmoil direct you to the right or to the left. But if there's peace, you know you're proceeding under the fear of the Lord. And you're hearing the voice of God in the various ways that he speaks. Listen and obey to the various ways God speaks. And I found this quote from Pat Williams. Pat Williams, former executive, NBA executive. This is what he wrote. He said, all the wisdom in the world is useless if you refuse to listen to it. And all the wisdom in the world is worthless if you neglect to live by it. Now, let me just pause. Pat Williams is a Christ follower. He he is a person who knows Jesus. This is not talking about the wisdom of the world this is talking about the wisdom of the only world, and that is the world of the word of the living God. His book is the the leadership wisdom of Solomon. That's what he's basing this on. All of that wisdom is great, but if it is useless if we refuse to listen, and it is worthless if we refuse to obey it. But when we do, God's going to bless. And finally, in order to make good decisions, we must trust the Lord completely, completely. Now, here's another little test for you, or I should say, assignment, I should say. A verse that I committed to memory many, many years ago, maybe one of the first verses I ever committed to memory, was Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. If you do not have this memorized, that is your project for this week. Memorize it. Get your Bible, get your electronic version, underline it, highlight it, do whatever, but memorize it. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in, every, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Now that is the, the version that I learned. Let me just read the version that I have written. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely upon your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do and He will lead you wherever you go. I want to tell you, but it will it, God will do it, but we must put our complete and total trust in. God. If we're not trusting him, it means we don't know him. You go, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, back up, rewind. What'd you say? I'm a follower of Jesus. Don't tell, I'm just telling you, we trust people we know. It's just a reality. I I went through an exercise a bunch of years ago. I was a, a part of a leadership cohort in the Bay Area. And it was leadership, Sam Ramon. We had about twenty people in this group. Our first gathering together, we had to do a whole bunch of exercises. Well, one of those exercises was a trust fall. If you've ever done a trust fall, a trust fall is just simply you get somebody behind you, you fold your arms, and you fall back, and they catch you. That's what it is. The difference was this trust fall was from about eight to ten feet above the ground into the arms of a bunch of people. I don't know what. And look at this. Go. This is not. People were saying, no, "I'm not doing that." I'm not going to do that. I, I said, well, you know, it's part of this leadership thing, so I'm going to do it. I got up on the thing, folded my arms, and boom. I went back. They caught me, and I survived. Here I am. Now, here's the here's the, here's the point I want you to make. I, I want to make. The idea is it's rare for us to trust people that we don't know. It doesn't happen. That, that was a secure environment. I knew what that was all about. So there was a level of already kind of an overarching trust just because of the event. But I'm going to tell you, I don't trust people I don't know. The person who calls me on the phone and says, hey, could I have your social security number because i got a million dollars to give you. (laughs) Sweet, let's do this. It's not going to happen, is it? You don't know them, you don't trust them. I'm absolutely convinced. One of the reasons that we make poor decisions, because we don't trust God completely, Because we don't know him intimately. Because we're not living in the fear of the Lord. Because it's the fear of the Lord that respect and the awe that we have for him and his ways. We're not listening to the various ways he talks. We just want to, and why don't we trust him completely? Because we would rather do it our own way. Don't intervene in this decision. This is me, I get to do this. I like this girl. I like Susie. Magic Eight Ball said she is likely she likes me. So I'm gonna I'm Susie, come on, that's it, I'm gonna do it. We don't trust him because we don't know him intimately. Maybe hard to hear, but I believe it to be true. my experiences outside of god's ways my knowledge compared to his word and his limitless knowledge my ideas matched against his eternal plans he wins every time my arrogance creates chaos but when i introduce god into the events of my life that chaos is removed his peace his direction his guidance becomes true in my life so back to my story for a moment so I climb up on this thing to fall back into the arms of these people I don't know and what's interesting about it you have to do you have to do this correctly now what do I mean by that well you fold your arms and you straighten your back you put your head back and you fall what you don't do, which most people did, and they had to be correct. One guy got up there and did it and said, nope, they did it wrong. Get back up there and do it again. This guy went, what, what, what did I do wrong? You cannot sit down, keep your back straight because it requires greater trust. You have to lean back and trust the ones who are going to catch you. To me, it's such a powerful reminder And what I believe God is asking of us this morning is lean back and fall into the arms of the God who loves you and who has best intentions for you. The abundance of life is available, but it requires our trust. You want to make good decisions? Trust Him. Trust Him. And don't lean on your own understanding, don't look at your own opinions. To, 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 to trump or to supersede that which God has already revealed to you. So as we close this morning, six questions that you can ask if you're in the middle of making decisions. The first one is this. What does God's word say? There it is. What does God's word say? And here's what I want you to hear. Some I've heard this because I've been doing this a long time. This isn't my first rodeo. I've been doing this a long time. And I hear people say this, I just need a word from God before I can act. Dude, you got one. You have thousands, tens of thousands of the word of the Lord to you. The difficulty for us is we want this now from this person rather than getting ourselves into the treasure chest of the Word of God and letting the presence of the Spirit of God illuminate to our lives what God has already said. Because what someone else says, if it conflicts with this, it ain't a word from the Lord. This is the word from the Lord. What does the Bible say? What do the Scriptures say? Number two... Have I prayed and received peace about what the decision that I'm going to make? Do I have the peace of God? Scripture is very clear is that the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Do you have that? Number three, have I received godly counsel regarding this decision? We need to seek out godly counsel. Remember, it's not Psalm 1 1 where we stay away. You know, you're blessed if you stay away from the counsel of those who don't know God. But we also need the godly counsel. Number four, am I being, listen to this, am I being people pressured or Holy Spirit led as I consider this decision? Because there are a lot of pressures out here to do things. But what is God's spirit who's living within you? Trust the spirit of God, nurture that spirit. Number five, does this decision compromise or affirm my values? Once again, if you're living in the fear of the Lord, this is going to be far more apparent to you. And number six, does this decision glorify God? Big question. These will help us make good decisions. So one last thought before we close. Good decisions are within our reach. Yet God decisions should be what we strive to attain. He will help us achieve them. You notice the difference? Good decisions you can make. I don't want good decisions. I want God decisions. I'm going to come under the fear of the Lord. Lord, I want, I want to live that way. I want to fear you. I want to have the respect and awe. I want to attune my ears and my heart and my mind to how you're speaking. And my trust is 100% in you, not in anything else. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Help us in this room to make good decisions. Help us to make God decisions. All for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to stand with me if you would. You know, um, there's a lot of de- I'm just going to ask this question. How many of you right now need to make, there's some decisions you need to make? There's some, there's some things hanging out there. Let me see those hands. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of decisions that we have to make. All of us, two thousand an hour. Remember that. We got a few, but here's the here's the what I want to leave with you today. If if you have not made the best decision in the world, which is to know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I want to give you the opportunity. I want to introduce you to Jesus, so you can introduce him into your the events of your life. It's not the other way around. No, we need to meet him. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Say, Gary, pray for me. I really do need to just know Jesus. I want to be able to trust him completely, but I don't want to know him. I want to know him wholeheartedly. So if that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you before you go today. Say, I want to know Jesus. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thanks so much. Yes, thank you. Father, thank you for those responding to you. And all of us this morning, we just simply say, Jesus, be our Savior. Forgive us of our sin. Lord, we, de- we declare you as Lord. Take charge of my life. I put my trust in you. I want to know you. I put my trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are able, more than able, to, to assist me in making good decisions that honor you. Help me to live in the fear of the Lord. Help me to, to hear how you speak and to know how you speak. And then, Lord, put our trust in you completely. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we leave, we're going we're gonna to sing a song. I'm going to invite the prayer team in just a minute. Prayer team, don't come yet. But I want to pray for those of you making decisions. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're in the middle of making a decision, that you've got some things that you've got to make, I want you to come and join me at the altar. Just step out where you are. I want to pray for you. Because I believe that God wants to wants to do something very supernatural in your life. The decisions that that are on on your heart and in your mind, God wants to to give you a sense of his peace and direction. I know there are more. Come on, join me. Join me. There are decisions that kind of hang in the balance here. And often we walk through them without Security, with, with with a sense of I just don't know what to do, don't know what to do, but God wants to help us. God wants to help us. I'm grateful for that. So let's join, Jason. Join me. If there's other staff here, Jer, I know you're here. Come on and join behind. Come on, those of you who are making decisions, step up close here, nice and so they can get behind you. Come on and join me, Marcy. Come on up, sweetheart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Rick there, thank you. Rick Ruby. Thank you, Jesus. All right, what I want us to do, we're going to just join together and pray. So do this. Be just comfortable. Just stretch your hands towards those folks who are here. Jesus, thank you that you you care about us. We're not, we're not nameless. We're not faceless. Lord, we're individuals whom you know. Lord, you know us. And right now, Lord, there are friends in front of this auditorium. God are in the midst of decisions and it's tough. There's some things that are really hard. I know some of the stories. I know some of the things that are pressing and Lord we want to get it right. We want to get it right whether it's not about which restaurant we go to. These are things that have the have the have an impact upon our families, upon our futures. Lord, we want to make decisions right. When relationships, it deals with so many different aspects of our life. So, Lord, we commit these to you. Commit these to you. But, Lord, more than just committing this decision to you, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you. We are trusting in the Lord completely. Out of a relationship that we have with you, we are pledging this morning that we are going to live in the fear of the Lord. We will respect you. We will honor you. We are in awe of who you are. And I pray, Lord, that our decisions will filter through the fear of the Lord. Lord, before, before anything else, Lord, yes, we can we need to ask. We need to get godly counsel. Yes, we need to. All of the things that are there, that's absolutely true. But Lord, it begins. If wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, then that's where we begin. We're not going to start somewhere else. We're not going to get three ways into the middle of the process here. No, we're going to start with the, with the fear of God. So, Lord, forgive us for not fearing you as we should. We're not having the respect of you that we need. We're sorry for that. But today we make that shift. We've, we say we're sorry, God, and from this point on, fear of the Lord. That's how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to let your spirit speak into my life, into my heart, into my ears through your word. I'm going to let the spirit of God direct and guide me. I am believing that there will be peace that will come out of this decision that I am committing to you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to take a step forward until I have the peace of God. I'm not going to analyze this thing to death, but I am believing for the peace of God. I am believing for the direction of the Lord. You are going to guide me, Lord. You're going to tell me go right, go left. I am dependent upon that. Why? Because I'm living in the fear of the Lord. I'm. Listening to you, and I put my trust in you. In the name of Jesus, let it be so. Let it be so. And I pray that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We will not be anxious about this, but we commit this to you, and you will direct our paths. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let it be so. We stand upon your word, Lord, not upon an opinion, not upon a philosophy, but upon the eternal word of the living God. We thank you for it. We give you honor and we give you praise in Jesus' name.